Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with all leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and I sing every week. I have my two co-hosts, our hold on, Paul Lewis. Hey there. You know, Carlos, there's very little I could do to get you to break on the intro, but that's the second time I've done that, and both times you start laughing. I actually thought for a second you just closed your eyes when you saw me doing it. <laughs> no, like you, I was. I'm like, wait, what? What is he doing? I'm like. <laughs> Uh, so how's it going this weekend, everybody? Long weekend. It was lovely. Oh, for you guys, Friday yeah. off to you. Yeah. You don't you don't have the UK bank holiday? <laughs> we our pay- holiday May 2-4 was on May 22nd, which was the week prior. May 2-4. Uh, yeah, we call it May 2-4. It's actually Victoria Day celebrating Queen Victoria, but uh, nobody remembers that, so we refer to it as May two four because it's generally in the May two four, and it's about purchasing your four your first twenty four bottle case of beer to which you drink at your cottage. That's kind of that's that's the philosophy. <laughs> so then every month from this point forward, you're buying a two four for every three day weekend. I I see per person. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. not for the family. That's like, um, I want to say Australia changed its rules for rugby on how much beer you were allowed to bring. And so the fans started burying cases of beer <laughs> in, in the, like where the, where the seating is that they would dig up on, on rugby weekends. <laughs> and, and they limited it to like three cases or something. Like they limited it to a, an amount of alcohol that had me go, whoa. <laughs> it seems like a lot. <laughs> Still but, was insufficient. Oh, it's, yeah, that's that's that seems like 24, 24 beers in a weekend seems like a lot of beers. I mean, I, I don't I don't drink beer, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Like, well, but, you know, it starts but, at nine ish. You go for you know twelve fifteen hours. One how the hell would you know? Like, you, <laughs> I've only witnessed it. I haven't right, taken. right observationally. <laughs> that's right. So, so twelve uh, hours. Twelve hours for a game? No, I meant. Of continuous beer drinking. Ah, okay. Well, now I'm I'm I, I'm thinking of something. How much things do you screw up after twelve hours of drinking? I don't know that it takes twelve hours to start screwing things up. <laughs> That's right. You so, might be six beers in and screwing things up. Way back in the day, this has been more than twenty years now. Um, I ha- I took a job with Verizon, and one of the Verizon guys. Um, we had a, a site that had one of the larger data centers for the customer, and it was um, about 300 people locally. Um, and they ran one of the uh, medical systems um, for the customer uh, that was nationwide. And um, w- one of the guys was kind of famous for uh, being super grumpy. He, there was a reason my job got opened. Um, cause one of the guys was super grumpy and he was kind of famous for being Mr. Super grumpy and he would go for lunch. He'd go across the street to the Mexican food place and drink a pitcher of margaritas by himself <laughs> and then come back to work. And one time he came back to work and the, this was pre windows clustering when clustering was done by third party software solutions. Okay. Um, and the cluster had failed on the SQL server middle of the day. And he just decided middle of the day, I'm done with this. I'm never doing this again. And unclustered the SQL cluster right in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> on a weekday right? 
took wow. the entire customer down for I think three days when it was all said and done because it was not a this was not it was fragile to begin with and it was not an, a thing you could easily undo right by any means. So now there's no HA. No, 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 no. I mean, it was barely HA to begin with. In you know, kind of in his defense, right. um, like so there it was, was, there it was were, an ineffective clusters. Or... It did not. It it absolutely did not work. If it failed over, it just failed. <laughs> I see. Right, like, like, like it, it didn't fail over. It just fell over. It just fell over. <laughs> it was horrible, horrible software. Um, but uh, three five one. Yeah. yeah. It might have been four. Might have been NT four. NT four, solid. Yeah, but it was um, it was garbage. <laughs> garbage. Yeah, yeah. I know the rumor is NT stood for new technology. It was actually, I think it was neutered technology. There wasn't a whole lot of technology in Windows NT. Anyhow, um, I, I did also find it funny that um, Microsoft released Windows NT, Windows ME, and Windows CE right about the same time there in 2000. Yeah. And so Microsoft's supported platform was Windows Cement. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. We're talking about way dusting, back. dusting off some old debt, some old tech dad jokes. Um, so, uh, so one of our our listeners, uh, Peter, um, I asked him to kind of help me out. I said, "Hey, Peter, is that his real name, or are you just giving a pseudonym?" Y you you follow along with uh, only he will know. You follow along with a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, Let's call him Peter. If uh, if 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 you hear something interesting, can you can you kind of like let me know? Like I, I don't know what resonates. I don't know what doesn't resonate. Let me know because I'm looking for topics to write about. And Peter said, uh, "Oh, awesome! I will happily do that." Uh, and then he got back to me like an uh, uh, hour later. Let's say. <laughs> so he was already running a list. Is that what I'm saying? Um, I think he would have had to have been because we had the conversation. We had the conversation at 5.44 p.m. He gave me a thumbs up at 5.47. At 6.01, he sent me an outline. <laughs> wow. And the outline was, and it's, and it's, here's stage one. And so what I, I started writing this over the weekend. Um, I'm going to ask you the questions. And, and, and I've effectively decided that Paul and I are going to write a book. Nice. It, before the pod podcast started, it wasn't Paul and I. It was just me. But now it's Paul and I. Right. Based entirely on my Peter joke, not bad. And and uh, and Carlos, I think Carlos is going to have to be our um, our voice of reason. Right. So so let's. I say we do this as the podcast. So um, chapter one or this chapter. Uh, wait, 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 wait. We we need to put at least something. And now we're going to start <laughs> chapter one. <laughs> How to negotiate with vendors. Oh, all right, all right. So. You give me this wonderful outline. So step one, everything is negotiable. Right? Everything. I, I don't agree that it's necessarily step one, but I'm reading from his outline. So, okay. so everything is negotiable. Um, always ask if there's a better price. Startup discounts, enterprise deals, bundles. Like uh, when you when you are talking to vendors, like how do you deal with negotiation? And you're on the other side as well now, right? Sure. So you yeah. you've been on both sides just like I have. Um, how do you like? How do you deal with negotiation? Um, how did you do it as a customer, and how do you how do you re how responsive are you to it as a vendor? I think there's a very big difference. There's a lot of dimensions here, right? So dimension one: how important are you as a client? In other words, are you 
30% of this particular organization's revenue, then you have a lot of influence and a lot of power. If you are so small, this is a multi-billion dollar company and you're consuming $10,000 worth of service, you will get very little influence into this world. So not all negotiations are equal. Not all power struggles are equal. Um, and uh, I might not have a lot of influence because I'm not a consuming a lot of product or capacity or consuming a lot of stuff that to which they serve. So I don't think it's fair to say that at all points, everything is negotiable. There are lots of circumstances to which it's an out of the box credit card, $30 per month kind of purchase. But if we're, if we're narrowing it down to enterprise things, let's say it's an enterprise agreement that I'd get from a big hyperscaler. Yes, it's almost entirely negotiable, at least on the things you're going to buy in the price, even if the terms and conditions, very few of those are actually negotiable, right? You're not going to win a liability conversation, right? You're not going to win a... Um, uh, a warranty conversation. You're not going to even win where this document should be, what state this document should be registered in, right? You're not going to win any of those arguments, but you will win um, if I buy X, do I pay Y? And if I buy twice X, I pay Y minus seven, right? Or if I buy a breadth of your solutions, then it should be cheaper. If I promise to buy in the future, then it should be cheaper. Um, or if I buy now, um, it should be cheaper over time. Lots of those are up and ready and negotiable. And then fairness should be unique conversations per vendor, per client, per consumption, per whatever. Right. Yeah, you... I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I really encourage you to understand your value in the picture. Mm. Right. Um, is this deal significant, even just for the rep? Right. Is it significant for the rep? Is it significant for the district? Is it significant for the time of the year? Is it is the product particularly significant, right? Especially when you're dealing with some of these large companies. If they have a new product and they need to show logos, right. is this product more significant than maybe another product, right? Um, something else you said, right? Think about how you're going to pay versus how the contract is set, right? So if you're buying a, a, a 36-month like if, if, if the way that you consume is you're effectively committing to a 36 month contract, if you prepay 12 months, you can likely get a discount, yeah. right? Um, if, the, if the standard contract is 12 months and 36 months works for you, or the standard is 36 months and 48 or 60 works for you, you can negotiate a better price, yeah. right? Um, kind of to your point, if, if you're looking at more of the portfolio, even if there are things that like 100% I want product A, 100% I want product B, 70% I want product C and product C is maybe where the customer, where the, where the vendor is spending a, a bunch of marketing dollars. You can probably negotiate a better price there. Right. Um, and then if nothing else works services, you can always negotiate a better price on services. They may not be able to, you know, like consumption model may state, Hey, you don't hit high enough to hit our EA levels. You're not consuming enough to get into better negotiated pricing okay, well then let's look at some professional services to help kickstart or quick start deployment of the product. And that's often a place they can negotiate. And don't forget the secret sauce of negotiation. And that's the second, third and fourth purchase. 
right? If you can convince them as a client that this will be one of many purchases over time, you've got a lot of leverage, right? If they've convinced you're only going to buy this once and you won't talk to them for another five years, you won't get a lot of their time, right? So you really have to both convince them and convince yourself that this is an ongoing relationship we're building here, not a one-time, you know, large or small relationship. Yeah. And at the same time, um, that means the amount of effort that you're putting forth to get a discount should be directly in proportion to the amount of effort you want to spend with that vendor in the future. <laughs> Excellent point. Right. Um, it, I would like to say it should be relative to the amount of money you're spending as, as a percentage of your total budget, but no, it really should be how much time do you want to spend with that vendor in the future? Right. How transparent do you want to be? How much do you trust them? Right. Yep. Um, and and if, if the answer is I don't trust them at all, find another vendor. Right. Find another vendor, find another sales rep. So, okay. So, so step two, be ready to walk away. Why? Like, <laughs> I don't really I understand why you need to be prepared to do that. Well, here's the reality. You have a problem or you have an opportunity you're trying to solve. You have to solve that problem. You can't and not solve that problem, right? Oh. And it's quite possible that the offering in front of you is the perfect way to do so. Mm. Really realistic that you're walking away? No, but I, I disagree that, that there's only one solution to a problem. Like there's, I would say there's probably- I would say it's only one, solutions. but this one is perfect, right? Maybe uh, this is 90% and the other ones are 75. Right? So- Best. I'll give you best. I won't best. Be All right. Best. I'll give you best. Um, at the same time, um, um, before, like, if this thing is really, really important to your business and it's really critical and you simply cannot afford to not negotiate, as in the price exceeds the amount you have to spend and you need everything that's included in the quote, um, prepare yourself with a Banta. Best alternative to negotiated result. Prepare yourself that if the only thing you can come up with is we simply cannot afford it at this price and we have to walk away, make sure you have something else in your back pocket. Right. Right. Yeah. Because that's often a nuclear option. Uh, it, it, it's often also, you know, hey, um, look, I, I understand that you guys are the best thing that can solve my problem. You're going to do it to the 90th percentile. Frankly, good enough for me is the 70th percentile. Um, option B and option C both exist. I have quotes for them. They meet my price. And you are better. It's fine. That's why we're having this conversation with you first. But ultimately, I just don't have the budget. So I'm going to go with this company. Um, I've had to do that before. And, and you know what happens every time? I get a call later from that same first company that says, we'll meet your price. Yeah. Or at least come much closer. C correct. As long as I'm being reasonable, they will meet my price. Right. Right. If I'm being unreasonable, then they tell me to go pound sand. But but generally, I'm reasonable. I like have to have you ever created ghost competition for a vendor in front of you? Absolutely not. <laughs> really? There's never one circumstance where you've ever said to your vendor, I'm considering three others when in fact you are not. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> don't buy it. I don't buy it in any way. So... I may have exaggerated the lengths that I've discussed the alternatives. Right. Um, in, in fairness, there are always alternatives. Like I can, I can right. think of one case where there's no alternative. 
I can only consume Microsoft Windows from one place. Right. right? That being said, there's multiple ways to consume a single license. So I do technically have alternatives there. Yeah, one could go through partners or resellers or disties. For sure. For sure. Lots of channels to the options, yeah. right? Um, how much do I want it to hurt in in man time, you know, human effort time, right. um, versus how how easy do I want this to consume and to continue continue to consume every year, right? But there are very few things where I have no, I truly have no alternatives. Now that's a very that's, I think it's fair to say that product and services differ substantially in that perspective. I, I think. Sure. I think products is more obvious, right? There's a product that does something and there's obvious sets of competitors that deliver that kind of set of functionality where services are ambiguous at best, right? There are potentially hundreds of organizations that deliver a service at least in like form as the service that you have in front of you. Maybe. Which means the relationship becomes more important than the service description itself. But it's also nearly impossible to know the quality, to truly know the quality of the service before it's delivered. Right. That's, that's the, the, other that's the irony of the other side of that equation. Yeah. 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 Like there are there are thousands of companies that will help me with my Oracle ERP. Right. Right. Tens of thousands of individual people, right, engineering types that will help me with my Oracle ERP to some varying degree. Um, and I would say that there are then ten thousand quality steps or quality differentiators available, right? Um, each of those 10,000 are going to have a different quality of delivery. So um, a service so, is always a crapshoot? Unless um, you work with them in the past? I think services is mm, not, not a crapshoot necessarily, but it's always somewhat of a gamble the first time, hmm. right? Which is why the first time uh, it really is about, do I trust the person that I have the relationship with? Right. Have I built the right relationships? Do I, do I really feel like they're going to be in this with me? Or is this a transaction for them? And if it's a transaction for them, run away. Right. Right. Have they brought um, people in the room in the five conversations I've had with them that that I believe um, not only has the knowledge I require, but has the background to support the work yeah. I need to do. Yeah. And, and I would say this is where right sizing is extremely important in your selection. Right. Um, when it comes to product. I may or may not be strategic to the vendor and I may or may not have any choice, mm. right? If I'm buying from Dell, Cisco, IBM, right? Companies that are 70 to $700 billion organizations. Um, if, if my total annual revenue is 25 million, I'm not going to be strategic to them. Right. Not, not within the transaction, right? Um, but I also may not have a choice. Right. I may need a product. Again, we'll go back to Windows. Like I may need to transact with Microsoft because Microsoft offers the product that I need. There is no real alternative right. to Windows, right? Um, just as an example, pick an example that works for you. I'm sure everyone can come up with one, right? But if you're 25 million, you're not buying from any storage vendor that you're right. strategic to. You're, you're strategic to zero hyperscalers. Yeah. Right. Um, when it comes to services, however, you do have the ability to be strategic. Because there is someone that is similarly sized who sees you of strategic value to them. Right. Right. And an easy way to do it is find someone that's similar size to you. Right. Like plus or minus 2x is kind of where I start looking. Right. In number of people, you mean? Oh, no. In, in revenue. In revenue. Right. Mm, you, really? you may have to guess. You yeah. may have to guess. Right. You may have to make a, an estimation. 
Um, and an okay way to do that is um, it is take the number of millions and divide it by two, and that's the number of people that you aim for, right? Now, when you say revenue, about. revenue of the company or size IT have spent? So, so no, no, no. So if, so if your corporate revenue is twenty five million, yeah, right. So you're 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 an SMB. Yeah. Um, then you want to look for a services organization that I would say is fifty to one hundred people. That's going to give you a good size if they're because they're not going to tell you that they're that they're fifty million, right? But does that require every billion dollar organization to use SIs exclusively? Um, no, it doesn't. But if I if I'm a billion dollar organization, the SIs are forty billion, yeah. so that that math doesn't work. Fair enough. Right. So I probably want to look for a large, um, a, a large national, larger. Yeah. 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 Right. So I, I probably like if my revenue is a billion dollars, I'm probably not, I'm, it's going to be hard for me for, to deal with someone who's, who's 250 million in, uh, or under 250 million. Yeah. Right. Cause they're probably not going to have the scale of people necessary to really address the needs that I have. Now, if, if the scope is focused, if the, um, if the scope is focused both in like number of hours and geographic location, right? like I'm a billion dollar organization and I have 20 locations worldwide, um, it's going to be hard for me to really be satisfied with a $25 million consulting organization unless this only touches, you know, 2% of my organization and three locations because I'm going to end up consuming one or two people full time from that consulting organization. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm going to consume a lot of the available resources that they have, and that may strain that consulting organization. And I really need to consider what is that, you know, what does that mean? How does that impact, right? Um, and so I think it's something really worth thinking about and really worth, um, you know, considering as you go through this. At the same time, there have been cases where I have, I've, you know, I was at a $4 billion organization, and the organization that I selected was um, outside, it was, they were much smaller, and they were outside the bounds of what I just described. And yet, um, they were perfect for me. I had relationships. They were they were eminently capable of delivering what I needed, um, and I and they well understood the scope of the project, and so those risks were well understood and and well managed. Um, and the alternative was, uh, I don't know, six times the cost. Right, but we, which is why I'm questioning whether it's always size of revenue to some sort of multiple to size of consulting company, mostly because there's a lot of companies, especially that we deal with that have multiple billions of dollars and 15 people in IT, right? A sure. 15 person IT shop isn't consuming an SI because can't afford hiring a person, let alone. Sure. And, and there are dollars of, an hour for an sure. SI. Right? There are tons of outliers. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and you're going to know by listening to this if you're an outlier or not. You're <laughs> right. just going to know it, right? And you're going to know what projects don't fit that definition. But that's always how I started, right? I want to deal with partners that are right-sized for me. I want to deal with partners where my business matters to them, whatever that dollar amount is. And how, whatever math you use, you need to find what math works for you. Yeah. Right? If you're a multi-billion dollar organization, you have 15 IT people, and your, your IT budget is $25 million, right? You an SI is not going to work for you, even if you're a multi-billion dollar organization and the SI thinks they would. Yeah. In right. fact, arguably the risk there is that they come in, go to the CEO and take over the entire 15 person shop. Correct. <laughs> the risk is that you're out of a job by even bringing them in. 
Correct. Well, well, that's actually not the worst risk. I can find another job. The worst <laughs> risk, risk is they give me their tier D players. Right. Right. Um, like you're talking about organizations that have 250,000 technicians. Right. They ain't all good. Right. At one point, Infosys was onboarding 60,000 people a quarter. They're not retaining 60,000 people a quarter. Right. Right. Um, so, so you really have to think about like what works for me in finding someone that is right sized for me. And again, what we're really trying to do is figure out at what point do I have strategic value for the partners that I bring in? And, and if it's super transactional, then just be transactional. It's okay. You, it's okay to be transactional. It's okay to simply deal with someone because they're easy to deal with and it's a transaction and it's not strategic and it doesn't matter. And you don't, the, the trust component is of lesser value because you just need to execute on a deal. Yeah. And, and sometimes your need is really either, either something simple, like there's a skill set I don't have that you have that I need to temporarily implement something. Correct. Or... I require scale of some sort. I'm doing three projects and I want to be able to do six projects and therefore I need a team B, right? A team two to help me do work. Again, temporarily. You don't require a multi-year strategic relationship for either of those two circumstances. Correct. If I need hands, I need hands. Right. Right. Just, just do you, do you have hands available? Are they competent? Can I, can I have a 25 minute call with them and to make sure that they're reasonably competent? And then can you put them in a box and ship them to me? Which begs the question, what percentage of the time would you go a long-term strategic service relationship worth versus a shorter term quarter by quarter, uh, uh, well-defined, but pointed service relationship? Um, it, it, it actually doesn't matter. It really comes down to vendor management. How mm -hmm. many, how, how many vendor relationships can I manage at any given time? Right. Right. And, and, and I have, to be honest, I have found for me, it's three partners. That tends to be the number that I can that I can that I can keep as tight trusted partners, and then they'll get seventy to eighty percent of the, my total wallet share between them. Right, I find that works really well because I just can't maintain more relationships than that. Hmm. Right, um, and, and and that gives me the best kind of balance of kind of um, competitive checking, um, variety of kind of solution capabilities because not everyone is the best at everything, even if it's on the line card. Um, right. and being able to be transparent and, and having long-term relationships that I can trust that simply make it easier to do business and faster to do business and remove a lot of the headache. They get to know me, they get to know my business, they get to know how I work. They're not bringing me things that I'm not interested in. They tend to know me personally, as in kind of how I operate and what I might be interested in. Um, and then the, then the work is the work, right? So some of that work will be you know, long-term contract work. Some of that work will be quarterly. Some of that work will be project-based. It just kind of depends, but that tends to be more driven by my needs internally rather than my needs, you know, for, for a specific vendor. Right. So I was just coming through versus you're outsourcing your service desk. C correct. And I have done that, but, but that would still be an individual kind of decision. Right. Right. Um, Chapter two seems like a thick chapter. We just went through. It's a it's a thick chapter, right? And then and then still within chapter two um, is avoid vendor lock in. And then when does it make sense to actually have vendor lock in? And, and let's let's be clear, right? Vendor lock in, um, if lock in in general is kind of a BS term. I agree. Right. <laughs> That's, that was going to be my exact comment. Yeah. yeah. At, at, at the same time. Um, 
you, you need to think about what does agility mean for you and where do you need to be agile? And will the decision you're about to make remove you from being, restrict your agility in a way you do not wish it to be restricted? That's what, that should be what avoiding vendor lock-in is. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's become kind of a marketing term and a way for them to position a sale, right? Um, use us because it avoids vendor lock-in. Yeah, but I don't care about that lock-in. Like I'm not, I'm not going to pivot away from that. That's not a piece of agility that I'm being removed by. Um, and, and a big place that, that, that people need to think about it is within um, a hyperscaler. It's a really good example, right? Um, they all talk their own language effectively. Um, and so if, if you are dead set on being a, a multi, having a multi-cloud experience in multiple hyper, hyperscalers, you need to think about the cost of talking each individual language versus using some pieces of abstraction. Right, in security or networking or storage or you know however you decide to do that. Um, right. However, if you're like, no, um, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, whichever one of those, that is my choice. Google is my choice. They fit me well. I fit them well. We're not going to, in, in the foreseeable future, we're not pulling away from them. And we're just starting our cloud journey anyhow. I'm okay with the lock-in. Okay, then move forward, right? Um, but, but do consider um, if you make this additional purchase with this vendor, right? And you have that much, they have that much more wallet share. Um, what are the risks of doing so? And vendor lock-in can be a risk. It must be a consideration. So I buy that IP lock-in should be avoided. And by that, I mean things like, I'm going to use the software and I have no access to the data outside of the software that I have available to me. That's a problem. I would consider what that, if that design makes sense, Uh, or I've had to build customizations or I've had to implement business rules or workflow that is unique to my organization. And if it's, that's not exportable into some other tool, then yes, maybe I need to make a different decision. Cloud, however, would not fall in that category. If I'm building a workload, if I'm building an application, I'm likely building it for a particular destination, right? In a particular architectural style. Um, And yes, I'm going to deploy it somewhere. And do I want to spend the money to ensure that it's portable to somewhere else in the event that some other executives comes in and wants to move from Azure to AWS? seems like a poor use of money. No, but if I know for yeah. sure from day one, this application is going to start in Amazon and then I'm also going to deploy to, to Azure because Amazon and Azure both have the odd outage that seems to happen twice a year. Yeah. And my application cannot be down for those and thus must be up all the time and it, it must be multi-cloud, then I need to architect accordingly and really pay attention to those things that are- Sure, but I'm differentiating between availability and portability. Yes, I, if I, sh- I may need to deploy it to multiple regions in a single cloud, right? Sure. For the availability purposes. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have a, uh, that intention at some point in the future to move it from its destination to some other destination sure. for one it. penny less. Well, no, I would never do that. Yeah, I, I would never for one second do that. I think moving for cost is an asinine reason to move unless the cost is extremely significant and it will that will never happen in the hyperscalers. Right, no. 
Unless right. it's such a small little mini service that, you know, you could, that an individual person could handle 50 of them back in your own data center. Maybe. Well, <laughs> That's repatri about it. yeah. Repatriation is a totally different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but just from cloud to cloud. Um, however, there are cases where, especially when you're sitting on kind of the bleeding edge, right. For quite a while, translation services were wildly different from cloud to cloud. Um, right. Generative AI might be another place where they're wildly different and the, and the rate of change is so high right now yeah. that, that the ability to be portable from cloud to cloud may greatly outweigh the cost of, you know, the cost of that portability. Portability comes at a cost. Right. If I add a third-party security layer, I add a third-party networking cloud networking layer, I add a third-party management layer that gives me that multi-cloud capability, I'm paying for that in addition to the cloud costs. And therefore, it's going to come at a cost. It will not be as cheap as, um, you know, as using the, the particular provider's native tool. Um, and so you really do need to think about, does that make sense? Is that something I even need to consider? Yeah. Right. Or... Is this is is what's provided by the vendor good enough? So so, summary wise, you don't buy into the um, always ensure that you have no vendor lock in. No, of course not. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> like like everything else on here, right? What I really buy into is think about it before you make the decision. Sure. And decide and weigh the the value versus the risk or the cost versus right. the risk. And know decide. that this is true. C correct. I agree. Yeah. Correct. That's really all I'm saying going through all of this, right? You need to think about these things, but you but it may not change your decision. You just may need to think about it and go, yeah, I'm okay with that. That's yeah, fine. but you We're can't have a non-functional requirement for every workload to say, Correct. thou shalt ensure it's portable to somewhere else in the future at some point. Correct. That would be asinine. Even if it's $8 million to make that I, I am certain that there are CIOs and CTOs that have made that decision. Yeah. I mean... How many CIOs and CTOs said cloud only? Exactly. Right? Like cloud only or cloud first. In fact, anybody who has that philosophy will only deploy to cloud in an IaaS setting, right? They'll only yeah. do uh, containers, they'll only deploy uh, in a way that allows them to, you know, V motion that to some other place if they had to. Sure. Uh, and then they won't be able to consume the goodness of the PaaS, the goodness of the SaaS all the cognitive services, they will put a firewall between anything outside of the infrastructure, which, you know, I'm not sure what you're gaining there other than somebody else managing your data center. No, I think consideration, yeah. um, con consideration avoids unnecessary risk and liability. Right. Right. Blanket statements as a leader ensure that you're going to get no, you're going to lose value every time. Right. Right. I don't need, I don't mind cloud first. Right. First, I want to look at can this just be done in the cloud? Yeah, I think that's OK. Right. On a, on a checklist of of things. But cloud only cloud only. No, like go away. It's a silly statement. You, yeah. You, yeah. You need to you need to quit your job and go go be a bartender somewhere. Or, you know, go be a <laughs> tequila only. Right. right. <laughs> tequila only bar. Do you have that? No. Tequila really? only. Fine. I could get behind that. Whiskey only. Fine. I, like there's some onlys I could get behind. <laughs> right, but, but the, and maybe that's your home setting, but that's not a bar setting. Right? You got to have variety. Right? You got to. Um, I've been to dedicated like bars that were dedicated to a thing, and and they did have other other drinks. Right, but like if you go to a tequila bar and expect them to have more than two whiskeys, you've made a mistake. Right, 
right? right? Like, like they technically have whiskey in the same way an airplane technically has whiskey. <laughs> it's rare you're going to find a good experience. Right. Um, although Nippon Air had a fantastic experience, I have to say. The 18-year Japanese whiskey was fantastic, and the sake yeah. selection was amazing. Anyways, um, all right. So, so th those that that was a big one, right? Um, oh, it's a big one. Uh, and then we get into step three: think creative, creatively. Money is not the only thing a vendor can give you, or you can give them. Yeah, hundred percent. And this is my favorite one because um, working at small companies, I leverage this like a madman. Right. And, and what I would always say is, look, this is the only money I have to spend. That being said, I will get up on stage for you. Right. Right. I will be a reference account. I will be in your customer council. Like, like what you get instead is my time yeah. and my time has value. Um, and don't, if, if you are a good reference, which does not just mean you say good things, but you are of, of quality and trustworthiness. And available. And availability. Don't overlook the value that that has. Right. Right. Um, my goal in kind of negotiating is um, I want my dollar to spend like it's at least one and a half and preferably two. Hmm. And if that means that I have to kind of extend that and go on stage or, or be part of a case study or do an interview for, for whatever, then I do that. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. So it has value because uh, it's very difficult to get, a client executive to do any format, whether it's a case study or on stage or a video or even just a, a quote. Yep. <laughs> Very difficult. I didn't get any of those things. Uh, and there's a bunch of sort of legal implications in the organization. You have to hoops you have to go through. Again, complex. But so if you can get that, it has real monetary value, and I highly encourage you. And, and it's it's one of the things I do very early on in any in any CXO role is I talk to legal and whoever else is relevant and find out what's required, what hoops do I need to jump through to make that happen? So I have those on my fingertips and I know I, I can I can learn is the juice worth the, worth the squeeze. Right. Right. And do keep in mind, it's you that you're giving up. That's right. Right. Everything else is an enterprise or a corporate resource. Right. It doesn't come out of, it's not my money. It didn't come out of my bank account to buy the, to buy the thing. Right. And so you need to think about is, is the juice, juice worth the squeeze? And if the organization makes it hard, I would say the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Don't bother trying to leverage it. Mm -hmm. right. At the same time, it can also be good for your career. It's incredibly it's beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Especially stage. Stage is incredibly beneficial. Right. So additionally, I would say, um, introductions to other people and potential clients, and it can be both directions, mm -hmm. right? Um, I have, in fact, had partners, right, vendors um, that I built good relationships with take me into their other clients or themselves, right, and consume services and products that I created. All right, so step four, build versus buy the upsides and downsides. And maybe maybe we do a separate episode because we're kind of running out of time. Maybe yeah, we do that, a that'll be a long one. Versus buy. Because I think that could be a big, um, that could be a big topic, right? Especially when we get into things like open source. Yeah, there's way more than those two options. Also, it's not a binary choice. Well, yeah, but we think about it kind of as a binary choice, and okay. not one of these has been a binary choice. <laughs> that, that's true, right? <laughs> there's a lot of ors when there's a lot of ands in there. Yeah, there's a lot of ors. So, so as we start to close down for for the day, I just want to again thank Peter. Um, <laughs> If, if, if or if not, that is that person's name, but they know who they are. 
Good. I, I look forward to continuing this conversation. And yeah, that would number chapter two is very, very meaty. And I can see us having like graphs in there and decision trees. Yeah. How, how to navigate this many, kind of decision. Yeah. How many chapters are we thinking? Is that like a 10 chapter book or like 20, a 20 chapter 20. book? It's got to be 20. Right. Because workforce management's got to be like, uh, like four. Right. There's a whole chapter on how to do one on ones. Mm. Ooh, yeah. That's a good one. Right. Is this a four dummies, yellow, yellow jacket, or we're going to go with a full? I mean, no, no, no dummies. No dummies. The, 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 this is, this, I look at this, this could be a, the sweet spot MBA program. Nice. <laughs> I actually kind of like um, the UHK uh, MBA course for CTOs, University of Hard Knocks. He's for two That's right. This is what it really means to be a CTO. Yeah. Right. From the trenches. Nice. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Um, I think it's, I think this is a great way for us to kind of work through uh, thoughts on various chapters. Um, if you do like this, please, uh, you know, do the, do the needful. Carlos. Well, my, well, my friends, I'm looking forward to jumping in, getting this one out. Uh, and make sure that you subscribe to our list because if you're on our list, you may be getting something from the book before everybody else will get it. So make sure that you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>